Ruth chapter 3. The book of Ruth is a, a charming book, a love story book, but uh, it is chock full of great examples, mostly by Boaz and Ruth. But uh, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, she's a seasoned older Jewish mother. And she has witnessed Boaz in his favored treatment of Ruth. And in uh, chapter 2, verse 22, we hear Naomi say to Ruth, It is good, my daughter, that you go with Boaz, his young women, to glean. Stay with them until the end of harvest. And Ruth takes heed. She obeys. So let's pick up Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself, anoint yourself, put on your best garments, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in. Uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, All that you say to me, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all her mother-in-law instructed her. <clears throat> we have here Naomi, and she feels obligated to Ruth, and she will now counsel Ruth uh, for, as, for her benefit and for Ruth's benefit. Boaz, a wealthy man, is her kinsman redeemer. And in Boaz, the hope of Ruth and Naomi have its origin. Naomi knows the harvest customs of her Jewish people. Therefore, Naomi instructs Ruth how to go about gleaning and how to go about approaching Boaz. Verse 3, wash yourself, Ruth. Well, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Anoint yourself. And put on your best garments. Gussy up, Ruth. <laughs> put your best foot forward. And then go down to the threshing floor and hang around there until Boaz has finished eating and drinking. This is an opportunity for Ruth to find security and rest. And so she's being instructed by Naomi Put forth your best effort in this, for it's, uh, your livelihood depends on this. Naomi understands that Ruth has found grace with Boaz, and therefore the plot thickens. The threshing floor was usually a high, flat place where the evening breezes would blow across, and to winnow you would throw small amounts of grain in the air and the wind would blow away the husk and the grain would fall straight down into a pile. 
the wind would blow away the husk. And again, this was their way to winnow. It's interesting that Gideon was winnowing in a wine chamber, in a wine vat. No wind, no breeze. He's hiding to do his harvesting. But anyway, when you winnowed, when you gathered your grain, it was a happy occasion. The crops are in. Harvest is complete. Therefore, Boaz and his men... They're going to be joyful. They're going to be in a good mood. And it's a time for Ruth to make her move for uh, her and Naomi. Ruth is patient. She allows Boaz to eat all he wants and then to drink and kind of settle in for the evening. And she is patient to allow Boaz to kind of take it easy there. Boaz remains there on the threshing floor, and he's there to protect his harvest, protect all the grain that they have winnowed. And Ruth, you're to notice where Boaz lies down to sleep. Take note of where Boaz goes to sleep. Uncover his feet and lie at his feet. Now, that would be a very unusual custom today, but in that day, it was... uh, I guess it was their way of uh, expressing their dependence upon someone. Ruth, she waits until Boaz is asleep. And there she uncovers his feet and she lies down at his feet. Ruth has listened to Naomi. She has heard her tell her how to approach Boaz. So let's pick it up in verse 7 through 13. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled, and he turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. That would probably shake you up. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant, Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman." Now, it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay the night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. Boaz is in a good mood. He has eaten. He is full. It'll be kind of like when we leave our potluck this morning. You know, we'll be eaten and full. And he has drank his wine, and he is cheerful. And he finds a spot near his grain heap, and he lays down, and he falls fast asleep. Ruth, she comes softly, uncovers Boaz's feet, 
and lays down at his feet. Ruth, I doubt seriously that she fell asleep. This has got to be awkward for her as a Moabitess in this Jewish area. And uh, uh, I doubt seriously that she is sleeping because her entire future, not only hers, Naomi's also, are determined how Boaz will react to her being at his feet. Ruth, she follows Naomi's advice, and she finds there she is at his feet, and without a doubt, she is in prayer. What do you think her prayer was? as she waits for Boaz to awaken. Well, we don't know what she prayed, but she's probably praying that God would uh, cause Boaz to show grace and mercy to her. But there's, there's a real lesson there. Our young ladies need to be praying for God to prepare you and your future husband's hearts for one another. There's nothing wrong with that. Ruth would not be human if she was not concerned as to how Boaz will react when he wakes up and finds her there. Verse 8, Boaz does awake up. He wakes up and he's, he's startled because there is a woman lying at his feet. And Boaz asks a simple question, who are you? I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take me under your wing for protection. In the Hebrew culture, in the Hebrew way, Ruth is asking, spread the corner of your garment over your maidservant, my kinsman, Redeemer. And in short, Ruth is asking Boaz to marry her. Take me unto your house. She's hung out there all night, but her entire life now hangs in the balance. Her hope is, say yes, Boaz, but she waits for Boaz to reply. Verse 10, this is the good news to Boaz. It's like too good to be true that this young, beautiful, virtuous woman would want him but Boaz has shown an interest in Ruth from the day she come to glean in his fields. R Ruth remembers their first encounter, how Boaz stopped to bless her. And that was in chapter 2, verse 12. And Boaz said to Ruth, The Lord repay your works and be a full reward by giving you your desires of your heart under whose wing you have come for refuge. Ruth now wants Boaz to be that hand of God's goodness towards her. And Boaz responses in verse 10 of her. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, and that you did not go after young men, whether rich or poor. It's an understatement to say Boaz has been watching Ruth. 
He's noticed her from the very first day. He is delighted to hear what Ruth has to say to him. And he promises Ruth, I will do all that you request. And he said, and by the way, everybody in town knows you are a virtuous woman. That's a good reputation to have. Ruth has established her reputation only being there in Bethlehem for a short time. And he says, stay here for the night. Let me deal with your one kinsman redeemer that is a closer relative than I am. And God willing, our love and devotion will come about. That's what Boaz is saying to her. And it says, and Boaz will not rest until he has legally acquired the hand of Ruth. Verse 14 through 18. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she uh, arose before one could recognize another. And then he said, Do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the shawl that is on you, and behold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, It is that you, my daughter... Then she told her all that the man had done for her, speaking of Boaz. And she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Naomi has insights into what's going on probably better than Boaz or Ruth. But in verse 14, we have Boaz, he's cautioning his workers. Hey, don't let it be known that Ruth came and lay at my feet. Let us take care of this matter at the city gates, and uh, then we'll let it known. And Boaz is protecting Ruth's reputation. Also, we see Boaz sending Ruth home with six ephahs of barley, six large measures of grain. Why six? Just a random number? No, I don't think so. Illustrating God's work of creation, it was a six-day event. After six days of creation, God said that all his creation was very good. And that's, those six measures of barley for Ruth and Naomi is very good for them. A supply of bread for months given to Naomi, who has accused God of leading her into emptiness. Have you ever accused God of not loving you and not taking care of you? Well, we've read how Naomi did just that. Verse 17, Ruth do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law, Naomi. Boaz recognizes that Naomi is desperate. She doesn't have anything in this world to lean on, and he wants to take care of her. And God is leading Boaz to care for Naomi through Ruth. Naomi has been bitter, uh, but... Now she's allowed to see God's goodness to her. Have you ever been bitter towards God? 
have you ever said, I didn't get a fair shake here. I, you know, God was not good to me in this circumstance. Naomi goes from bitter, goes from despair to from being empty to abundance. In one felt swoop, she goes from poverty to riches. Boaz, who is Naomi's near kinsman, he's demonstrating to her the goodness of God. Boaz, a type of Christ in this story. It's a humbling thing for any of us when God blesses us above and beyond what we expect or imagine. Have you ever had God do that for you? Just give you more and all you can say is thanks? I had this happen the past week. As many of you know, I'm a cattleman. Well, I got a few cows. <laughs> I needed a trailer or a truck to go pick up a corral, what they call sweep gate, and it was over in Athens where you can load up your cows into a trailer. So I call a friend. I said, hey, have you got a 16-foot trailer I can borrow? And my friend, he says, here's what I can do. I will send my hired hand to drive my truck to help you bring home the corral. But he says, I've got one stipulation here. Well, several stipulations. Do not give my man any money for his labors. I took care of him. Do not fill up the gas tank on my truck. And I protest. I said, well, i got to do something. And he jokingly said to me, I want you to owe me, not my hired hand. <laughs> but he was joking, and I knew that. This hired man of his spent all afternoon, several hours, helping me get a corral. And we were, we're unloading the truck at my house just as darkness is starting to fall. So there I am. I'm pondering. I'm thinking, how do I repay my friend? Simply put, I can't. The man has all of everything. <laughs> but I can say thank you to him. So I made sure I thanked him. And we who think we are self-sufficient, we're humbled by acts of kindness when they come our way. It's a humbling thing to receive and not be able to do anything in return. And when all you can do is say, thank you, and Naomi is there. She has accused God of not loving or taking care of her. She has returned to Bethlehem and says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara or bitter. Now she is humbled, and she's humbled greatly before her God. But let's look at Ruth and her humble approach to Boaz. She comes softly to Boaz. She uncovers his feet and lays down at his feet. Now you've got to do that quiet and softly not to wake the person up. She's doing this 
at the instructions of Naomi. Naomi knows the customs of their uh, harvest time and the Jewish people. <clears throat> but Ruth is willing to take a position of subservient to Boaz. She takes that lesser position willfully. Being a servant goes against our fleshly desires to be above or greater than our fellow man. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God pronounced a curse upon the serpent, upon Eve, and upon Adam. But we want to look at the curse he put upon Eve. God will greatly multiply your sorrows in conception, Eve. You will have pain in childbirth. But here's a curse upon Eve and all women. Your desire shall be for your husband. And, but here's the catch. And he shall rule over you. Without getting political here, women libbers have resisted the male dominance from that day in the garden when God cursed Eve. God said, man will rule over his wife, yet the wife will desire her husband. We have seen the ruling authority of men over women, and it brings tension into a marriage. And marriages that are having trouble, that will usually be the root cause, is the tension between who runs the household. In Ephesians 5.25, we read, A husband is to love his wife, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. But God's word does not tell a woman to love her husband. Well, isn't that supposed to be a two-way street? Why doesn't God tell the woman to love her husband? Because that isn't what we look for and need, ladies. It really isn't. Rather, let the wife see that she respects her husband. We assume you love us. <laughs> we want you to respect us. <laughs> and almost always when doing marriage counseling, this is the root problem. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a woman say, he doesn't love me. I've had young men that, that I performed a marriage ceremony and I say, and he says, make sure you put in there that she submits to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but as husbands, our problem is that we don't love our wives as Christ loves the church. And wives, your problem is that you don't respect your husband like God tells you to. Back to Ruth. She has chosen to humbly approach Boaz, softly uncover his feet, and lay there until he awakens or lay there till morning. She is totally submitting herself to Boaz. 
the humility of Ruth endears her to Boaz. Verse 10 of chapter 3, For Ruth you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, rich or poor. Evidently, Boaz is a little older, a little wiser, and he appreciates the virtuous Ruth. Boaz, he reconciles kindness and humility as being very similar. Kindness and humility, hand in glove. He's totally, Boaz is totally impressed by Ruth's character, her virtue. And men, if you have a virtuous wife, you have a great treasure, a great treasure. A question. I am truly humbled when I see humility in others. So why do I resist that attitude in my own life? It's when I begin to think me first and me above others that I begin to get out of the spirit and into the flesh. But God willing, that will change in my heart and life. Confession. The term pastor means servant. And I want to be a kind and loving pastor. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Next week we'll conclude by going through chapter 4. Great little book. But Father God... We see Boaz, the prime example of a kinsman redeemer. We see the humility of Ruth, a virtuous woman. And we even see Naomi doing the flip-flop, going from being bitter to having a grateful heart. For God is now taking care of her, and she sees it. Lord, may we understand and realize that you love us and desire to take care of us even when things appear to be going wrong. You've never deserted us. You've never left us or forsaken us. And may we understand that. Lord, may we walk before you in humility. May we be kind and loving to those around us. Help us, Lord. We want to be that good Christian example to those around us. As husbands, we want to love our wives. As wives, we want to respect our husbands. And we want to do it in humility before you, Lord, because those are your instructions. And may we apply them to our lives. So be with us, Lord. We ask that our time of fellowship during uh, our potluck would be just a good time of fellowship. But, Lord, we thank you for being the one who supplies us with uh so many blessings of good food and a warm building and we have all these things lord but we thank you for them for it's your kindness it's your goodness it's you taking care of us your people and we thank you for it and we thank you in the name of jesus amen so hang around always our ladies make sure we always have enough food